Can I use expired makeup? How can I prevent razor burn? What beauty products are really worth the splurge? All that and more on this episode of The Healthiest You. I have some good beauty habits. I probably have some not so good beauty habits. Maybe sleeping in makeup, maybe expired makeup. Some things I shouldn't have done with the razor. We're going to focus on women's health and wellness on The Healthiest You podcast. Whether you're on your way to work or you're enjoying a cup of coffee, take this time to focus on your health. Here to talk about beauty habits and things to ditch and switch is Emily Doster, aesthetic nurse with LVPG Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery. Emily, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Are you excited? I am. Are you going to scold me about some of my beauty habits? Maybe. (laughs) That's absolutely fair. (laughs) And I could probably use a little scolding for some of those things. Now, Right off the bat, for a lot of us, makeup is a huge part of our morning routine. I typically do not leave the house unless I have put some form of makeup on. I love it. Uh, I don't love how expensive it is, especially for some of the the more, I guess you could say, quality products. But uh, when it comes to expired makeup, how long is too long? I think it's all kind of relative, depending on what it is, what formula it is where you're using it. Are you using it on your eyes? Are you using it on your mouth? Maybe those products we should be replacing a little bit more often. Is it a wand you're pulling out of a tube and direct, you know, applying directly onto your face? Okay. Is it an airless pump? You know, all of those kind of come into play. I've had products for probably longer than I should as well. Okay. And some simple sanitary techniques like spritzing an eyeshadow palette with alcohol or, oh. um, you know, washing your applicators more might elongate the uh, use of the product. But but if the formula looks different than it used to. Oh, if you can notice a change yeah. in the consistency. Right. If it's separated, if it's no longer the color you remember it, if there's some kind of maybe film on the top of it maybe or a it's funky time. smell yeah Ooh. absolutely then smell it's time. definitely okay time to toss it good to know mm-hmm. so you're saying that the, the health and beauty products that i have maybe from high school are i, I should let them go maybe yeah. maybe time to update I, I think you might be right now how often should i be replacing my go-to makeup items um i would say again like eye products like mascara definitely every couple months Read the label, read the manufacturer's suggestion, but keep in mind too, you know, they do want to sell you stuff. So Good point. Um, if it is looks okay, smells okay, maybe you didn't even open the package yet, you know, use your judgment when you're when you're using things. Okay. And save some money too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Mm-hmm. So uh we we are going to talk the good, the bad, the ugly, and probably one of the ugliest habits that I have is not cleaning my brushes. How often should we be cleaning our brushes? And is there such thing as too much cleaning of the brushes? Um, If you're investing in your brushes with like natural bristles, you do want to maybe be careful about how much you're washing them, almost like you're washing your own hair, right? You only want to do it when you kind of need to. So if you're the only one using your brushes, you know, do you have to clean them every single time you're using them? No. Oh, good to no. know. Okay. Yeah. Maybe once every couple of weeks, once a month, um, especially if it's powder formulations. Powder doesn't tend to harbor bacteria as much as like cream formulations good or to know. a beauty blender that you're, you know, dampening when you are using it. 
Um, so I tend to wash mine, I'd say probably about once a month. But if I'm using a sponge, maybe I'll wash that once a week. Good to know. What about when my teenager comes in and starts using my brushes and I don't That's know about that? That's a whole show. <laughs> we will book that for a later Healthiest You podcast. Now, does our skin need time to breathe? And I, I remember reading this back long ago when I was younger, maybe a day of the week where you don't put too much makeup on or you don't wear any at all. Does our, our skin need that? Um, I think it's more about prepping your skin and then also taking the makeup off when you're done wearing it. So not necessarily that your skin needs a break from putting it on unless you're getting irritated from it, unless your products are, um, you know, making you break out or they seem like they're clogging your pores. Products I see like that now are a lot of primers, Right. Things oh, that primers are, are huge right now. Yeah, ever, and we didn't really grow up with primers. They're a new thing, and everybody wants poreless skin that looks like it has the filter. Yes. yes. So these products really are meant to kind of fill in texture. So those products, maybe you'd want to take a break from, save those from those days where you need long wear. Um, but okay. if you're just, you know, popping out, maybe don't use those those products that as are often meant. yeah use them as needed if you're if you have a like you said a long day ahead of you or a special yep. event exactly. but if you're just running out to get the groceries you don't need to do yes. the full thing absolutely and good to know if that's what you want and that's what you like and that's how what you want to present to the world go for it but right. just make sure that you're taking the proper steps to take everything off so that is kind of giving your skin a break okay so that leads me into taking it off and i have a very difficult time pronouncing this this word micellar yep is that did i say it right yep micellar 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 mm -hmm. water is mm -hmm. is that a great makeup remover is it a great cleanser can i do that instead of washing my face so whenever you have makeup or even sunscreen on, you do kind of want to do it in two steps. Oh, you want to okay. take all that off first, and then you want to actually wash your face. So micellar water is a great ingredient. It's very multi-purpose. Um, essentially, micellar water is just water and an ingredient called glycerin. And glycerin is a moisturizing agent. It's usually the base of most moisturizers. So when they combine those together, it almost is kind of syrupy. Yeah, that's the feel that it has yep. and, and the feel that it leaves on your skin after you use it. Yeah, it's like a little bit of a thicker water. So you can definitely use that to take your makeup off. Um, but I would suggest using like an additional cleanser afterwards. Okay, mm -hmm. so I need to add an extra step because, I mean, the bottle says you don't need to wash your face afterwards. Yes. But you've you've done a lot more. When it comes to skincare, so I'm going to trust you versus the bottle of the water. And a lot of products can be multi-purpose. Like you could take your makeup off with micellar water, wash your face, and then maybe use the micellar water as kind of a hydrating toner and, oh. and leave that on. So it is uh, a great product to have at home. I use that one a lot. It's great for teens, you know, younger skin. Um, it's gentle. It's effective. So it is a good product. I do love it. I love the one that has the hydrolonic acid in mm -hmm. it as well. Yep. Because I've read the the benefits of the hydrolonic acid. Yep. Okay. So now uh, we talked about cleansing and there are times when you forget to cleanse. Mm -hmm. What happens uh, when you go to sleep with your makeup on? We're all guilty of it. Every once in a while. I'm yep. sure maybe you're not as guilty as the rest of us. You know, your products can have bacteria in them, especially if they're not brand new. 
right? And then your brushes and skin naturally has a microbiome on it. So when you're leaving your makeup on your skin to set and then there's dead skin and oil and makeup, it's just a perfect environment for bacteria to breed and create inflammation and it sounds so gross now I feel terrible every time I do it it can get but I have I do have girlfriends who um occasionally do not wash their face and they do perfectly fine if I even say I'm gonna sleep in makeup my my skin will break out so it's not the best habit to do but some people's skin just does not is resilient is very resilient yes. okay ours are obviously very sensitive yes <laughs> I remember hearing from a girlfriend that whenever you sleep in your makeup uh that one night is almost seven years of aging on your face well, and I'm sure that's probably an exaggeration I think so I think you know just washing your face is exfoliating right okay. taking those products off removing everything we don't realize how much we are exfoliating just from that process just from washing yep just from washing and I can tell with my clients too the ones who do wash their face at night regularly and the ones that don't you know nighttime's all about healing and repairing so if you're leaving all that on your skin doesn't have the best opportunity to do that so some of the ways that we can actually break out of that habit if we do tend to do it how can we get into the habit of doing a new routine a better skincare routine new habits are hard to form they really are you just have to find a time that's going to work for you even if it's as soon as you come home at night you know from your day because sometimes we do you know we make dinner and we're putting our kids to bed and then we just sit in our bed for five minutes and be like, okay, I just need, you know, some time on my phone. And then you're like, I'm not getting up. Right. You know, so. Oh, you just described my evening, yeah, Emily. Thank so. you. <laughs> we're right <laughs> there together. Someone yes. just do this for me? Right. Um, so just trying to find a time that you're already up doing it, okay. um, you know, before you settle in for the night before you sit down for the night, you know, that kind of thing. I like the idea of maybe setting a timer or a reminder. Yeah. But especially the, when you sit down. Yeah. Sometimes when you sit down, you're just not getting back up for the night. When you sit down, you're definitely not getting back up for the night. <laughs> At least that's my motto. Or, yeah. or, or I holler, can someone please get me something? Yes. Now, speaking of sleep and not wanting to get back up, uh, what about our pillowcases? So I hear a lot of questions about using silk pillowcases um, and silk is a very natural fiber. It's very soft. It's not absorbent either. That's what makes it different between cotton. Um, And some people, cotton is a natural fiber as well. It's breathable, but it is very absorbent. So sometimes it can absorb the oils and the moisture from your skin and your hair. So silk is a nice option. It's a little bit more of an expensive option. So um, what about satin? Because I hear a lot about satin when it comes to getting rid of frizzies in your hair or helping to prevent. From what I understand, satin is more of a blend of kind of synthetics. Um, So it can be a little bit more not as absorbent, but also not as breathable as a silk. So um, I think either one is a nice soft option. It's not going to be rough on the skin. It's not really going to be absorbing the products that you put on your face. Um, But again, I think it's just kind of personal preference. I'm not sure how how much that's going to impact. Impact your skin. Yeah. 
But I'm also thinking a, a silk pillowcase would probably be a nice gift for the future. Maybe my uh, husband. Absolutely. Yeah. I always think that's a great fun gift. That is a great yeah. fun gift. Mm-hmm. My biggest concern, and I've tried numerous different products, and it's it's dark circles. Yep. What is your recommendation, the best way that we can conceal these or at least just minimize their appearance? Absolutely. So I would say this is probably the number one question I get from my clients all the time. I believe Um, that. What I try to explain to people is that we we see the skin. We see it from the outside. But that area is such a complex anatomical area. So that means that a lot of times what we're seeing is happening on even like a bone structure level. So we think about aging all the time, but what we don't, and we think about skin and we think about makeup, but we really don't often think about like our bones, right? I mean, not when we're talking about beauty. Right. That's Um, not, I'm sitting here, I'm very, I'm very interested in what you're saying about this. So a lot of times um, we think about skin, makeup, how can we conceal it? But um, the under eye area really is more about the bone structure and bone loss. And especially for women, that is a very hot topic. Osteoporosis, calcium, vitamin D, yes. um, maintaining strong bones. And we think about it um, not necessarily in our face, but that's a huge part of the aging process. So Topicals are great, but we have to remember that there's a lot going on under the skin that a topical is not going to correct. So keeping the skin healthy, hydrated, protected, that's really the best that we can do as far as skincare around under the eye. And then there are some makeup tips and tricks like color correcting um, that can cancel out those deep blues and those deep purples. that we tend to see when okay. we get really kind of hollow under oh, yeah. the eye. So. I've seen a lot of the different corrections that people have used from green to orange, depending on your skin tone. Yep. And that's it's always something that I'm very focused on Yes, is the dark circles. Yeah. But I think I need some vitamin C in my life. Yeah, vitamin C, potent antioxidant, a lot of vitamin C eye creams have kind of like a yellow or orange tint to them. And when we're thinking about correcting underneath the eye, you really, it's a lot of color theory. If you're, if you want to cancel out that, that, you know, blue, purple, deep tone to it. You want to just look at the color wheel and it should be opposite of that. So under our eyes, it's a lot of times blue, purple. So the opposite of that would be like an orange or a red. So deeper skin tones, a lot of times you'll see them correct with a red or an orange and lighter skin tones will correct oftentimes with like a peach. So doing a color corrector, even just the teeniest bit first, Letting that dry down and then putting your concealer over top of it will be an instant brightening. You know, topicals aren't going to correct bone loss, but it will brighten up that area very quickly. I think you and I need to make a shopping trip after this. (laughs) We'll finish recording and then I'm going to take you and we're going to go shopping for makeup. Okay, that sounds great. Now, in addition to minimizing those circles, the the dryness that a lot of us face, mm-hmm. what can we do for those that dry, flaky skin? Uh, and something that I've seen a lot on social media is skin sealing. Mm-hmm. What kind of hack is this? So skin sealing, you know, 
I think now with social media too, beauty influencers are kind of coming up with different niche terms to kind of separate themselves from one another. And skin sealing um, reminds me of something that we sometimes call slugging the skin too, or that we may have heard of slugging. And it's just creating kind of an artificial barrier using a product that's an occlusive. So something like an Aquaphor ointment or... Um, like something. a diaper rash treatment is basically exactly okay. with anything like that, like diaper rash, dry, flaky skin, irritated skin. Your barrier is not protecting you, right? Your barrier of your skin is compromised, and that's why your skin is dry, it's flaky, it's reacting. So, using a product that is an artificial barrier just helps to allow your skin to heal, but it also seals things in. So if you're putting your hyaluronic acid on, you're putting your vitamin C and you want to make sure that it stays on there, you put your topicals on. And then with this for version, the occlusive they're using is more of like a plastic wrap. So they, you know, put that on under there really to just ensure that it's absorbing into the skin, not evaporating off or wiping off or anything like that. Wow. That makes, I'm very glad you explained that because there's so many different trends on social media. And like you mentioned, different Mm -hmm. beauty influencers using different names for things that we've done in the past. Mm -hmm. They're just, it just now, like you said, it has a different term to it. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Also, Drinking smoothies. Is there something? <laughs> because we talked about the topical. Yeah. There's only so much we can do on the topical. Mm-hmm. But from the inside out, what would you recommend as a, a, a skin smoothie? Yeah. So I tell my clients a lot of times that skin really is an inside out story. So just like you want to um, put antioxidants on topical, a lot of times that's what you want to do inside too. So mm, when I think about skin, you think, you know, It's made up of protein, so you want to definitely have protein in there. Antioxidants, that's going to neutralize all those really reactive, damaging molecules. Hydration, vitamins, minerals, all these things that we're putting on topically, you want to introduce internally, too. And a lot of, you know, our skin's essential. It's our largest organ, but a lot of times nutrients are going to go to other parts of our body first before it goes to our skin. And that's right, why that there's priorities. Absolutely. Right. And that's why topicals are important too, because skin, you know, can sometimes be the last too. It's forgotten. Yeah. Far too many times. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we talked about bad habits of sleeping in our makeup and not washing our brushes. What about popping the occasional pimple? Popping the pimple is a hard hard thing not to do. It really is. It It really is. What do you suggest? What are your thoughts? My favorite thing right now is pimple patches. I think they're phenomenal. I've just Um, noticed them on, and you don't even really notice them. I mean, and like people nowadays, there's just no, like I see kids out and about and they have like smiley face pimple patches and stars and people are just you know, owning it. Yeah, I'm breaking out, you know, and it's a great way to just keep your fingers off of it and allow it to heal a little bit more before you do possibly extract it. You don't want to pop a pimple when it's just forming and you're just seeing it. And that's typically when people will. They just want to get their hands on it and get out. But you really want to allow it to go through a healing process and then more when it's 
towards the end of the inflammation cycle, you could possibly extract it, but usually it's gone by then. So if you can just wait, put a pimple patch on it, try not to touch it, try to leave it alone. It's usually the best. I like that. I really Mm -hmm. like, I wish they had had those when we were in our adolescence, especially for for stopping from touching it. Exactly. Just that's, to keep your fingers off of it. It's what I try to teach mm-hmm. my daughter over and over is don't touch. Mm-hmm. Don't touch. Keep your hands clean. Yes. Same thing with my son. Keep your hands clean and don't touch your face. Yep. It's hard. It's hard to do. Um, but that can curb it a little bit. Okay. So <laughs> we're going to use a, a, a patch. We're not going to pick. Are there other more effective ways to address the pimples, to address the blackheads? What do you think of pore strips? Um, I think pore strips can be kind of aggressive. Okay. You know, it's very satisfying to watch them peel that off. But in reality, most people's pores aren't that large and congested. I really like more products that work by dissolving. Um, so like a salicylic acid or a retinoid that's going to exfoliate your skin, not that's going to scrub it or rip it off. We tend to be really aggressive with our skin. We want to do a lot to it and, you know, but really being gentle is is kind of the best thing. It's good to remember. Very good to remember. I've also read when you use the pore strips, you're really just pulling out the sebaceous Filament. filaments right. and most people have those. And you want them. It's actually a sign that your barrier, your acid mantle, which is that lipid layer is intact and it's doing its job. So as soon as you pull those out, your skin is going to be making new ones. Making more. Yep. So you can minimize them, um, but you do kind of want them. So we want them. Mm -hmm. All right. So we keep our fingers and we quit poking and popping them. Step back from the mirror. Step back from the mirror. A little bit. Now, there's something that I remember, and and I'm sure you remember it as well. Uh, The the toothpaste spot treatment. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, uh, oh, she gave me a look yeah. on that one. Okay. Well, um, you know, I had heard this, but I really didn't understand why people were doing it. I didn't know if it was like the mint was kind of drying or, but what I, what I learned was it was really the antibacterial property that people were, were looking for with the toothpaste. So, um, acne can definitely be, uh, bacterial based. Um, but I think the ingredient that people were using for toothpaste was, is no longer used anymore. And because oh. it was used in antibacterial hand soaps and all those, yes. all those products that we no yep. longer use because we found that they're not very good. Exactly. We okay. don't want to necessarily like kill all the bacteria. Bacteria is great. You know, the good ones are. So I think it was more just trying to kill bacteria with an ingredient that, I was, was always told it, it would dry it out I, and it would dry it out. And, uh-huh. and then you'd have to over moisturize and then over moisturizing would just lead to more, breakout. more breakouts. It was a ridiculous cycle. Yes. So we're going to say no to the toothpaste. Yes. I'd say, yep. Just right. for the teeth. I like that. Just, <laughs> yes, please. Please for the teeth. Plus, if you pick too much, it dries out too much. It leads to scarring. I still have some little marks on my skin. What are some of the great ways to prevent that scarring from happening? Yeah, scarring is tricky because sometimes even if you don't pop a pimple, you're you might have a little bit of a mark to it. So um just being gentle, not overly aggressive with the skin, really trying not to pop it when it's forming, when it's at that peak inflammation, angry point to it, just kind of leaving it alone. Your body has these mechanisms, you know, in place to kind of heal and repair itself. So the littlest that we mess with it, kind of the better. 
if it's if it's excessive, definitely talk to somebody. You know, there might be needs to to get different products to use. Um, and quit scrolling through the TikTok feeds of the pimple popping. Yes, it's good to educate yourself, but it can be, yes, Dr. Pimple Pop. Oh my gosh, yes. That has become it's just a, a, It's a thing. Oh, it shows up in my feed. and Sensation. It yes. is, just to watch it. As long, well, it, maybe you just watch it instead of doing it to yourself. Absolutely. Okay. I've even seen little things on Amazon where you can get in, it's like silicone skin. Like two words in it and it, yeah. You yes. can pop it. Yes. yes. Maybe that might be an option. Yeah, rather than doing it to your skin, <laughs> yes. maybe that's something that sure. we can <laughs> Now, uh, a lot of us uh, do have these scars that we've already dealt with. Mm-hmm. Now, how how can we handle those long-term scars? Is there a way to lessen them, make them look not as deep or as dark? So there's a couple different elements with scars. Sometimes you can have textural scarring. Sometimes you can have vascular tones to them, like reds and purples, that kind of thing. Um, sometimes that pigmentation will go away. Like if we get a pimple and then that pigmentation kind of lingers, that will that will go away on its own. It just takes time. Um, antioxidants are a great way to even tone after things like that. If you're looking to improve the actual texture of a scar, you will probably have to go for more of an in-office treatment. So we can do things with chemical peels. We could do things with microneedling. There are different lasers that can treat scarring. The thing to remember about a scar is that once you have a scar, it's always going to be there. Always going to be there. So there are ways to minimize it with those kind of in-office treatments, um, different acids, again, microneedling, lasers to kind of remodel the collagen. But if it's there from a pimple, if it's there from a cut, a scrape, something like that, it is always going to be there. So you might as well just embrace it. Absolutely. All right. So not just slather ourselves in cocoa butter? Uh, Cocoa butter is a great uh, ingredient. There are lots of benefits from cocoa butter. It's moisturizing, it's hydrating, it has antioxidants, all those wonderful things that are going to help heal and repair the skin. And that's really when you want to use cocoa butter is more right when, you know, as soon as you possibly can, um, once everything has kind of healed itself, taking care of a scar as soon as you can is going to have the best result with it. You can repair and improve long scars that have been there for a long time. Um, It might just take a little bit longer. So when we first notice the stretch marks, that's when we should be slathering on the cocoa butter. Yeah, stretch marks are technically scars. So uh Um, it really is more about And a lot of times it's just your genetic makeup of your skin. You know, some people are more prone to them than others. So yeah, moisturizing your skin, giving it all those nutrients that it really needs to be strong and protect you. That's great. So you're not telling me to go out and buy more cocoa butter or maybe With winter coming, yeah. I mean, not a bad idea. Not a bad product to have at home. So now with each decade, our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, our 50s, what would you specifically hone in on for each of those decades so that we age gracefully? Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes it's not about the decade that you are in your life. I try to see where people are at because the first thing that I want 
people to do with their skin is just protect it from the sun as much as you can. Don't avoid the sun. Go to the beach. Go to the pool. Be outside. Um, but you just want to be smart about not roasting your skin. Not baking our skin so anymore. That I would say when my teens come in in my early 20s, the first thing that I'm going to give them and educate them on is being sun safe. So, um, you know, that's the biggest thing that we've learned over the years is just protecting yourself from the sun, not burning, wear a hat, that kind of thing. The next thing that I would say is develop a good routine. It doesn't have to be elaborate sunscreen, antioxidants, some type of gentle exfoliation. Typically, you'll hear about a retinoid. And I would say in your 30s, that would be a great time to incorporate a retinoid. Um, if you're protecting yourself from your the sun in your 20s and you're doing you know a good routine in your 30s, then in your 40s, maybe you would start to dabble with like a chemical peel or a laser treatment or possibly an injectable, you know, a neurotoxin for wrinkles or some filler for lost volume. Um, but if someone comes to me in their 50s and they're like, I don't do anything, I would still probably start with daily care over anything else because it can take you a really, really long way. And you want to establish that daily care before you just go in and, you know, try to target a line with some Botox or something. You really want to okay. give them a good habit. So if someone comes in in their 20s and they have a good routine and they're doing all this stuff, maybe we would start at a different point than if someone came in in their 50s and they're like, I do nothing at home. So as opposed, it's really case by case and so many different variables that go into it. Yeah. And I like to educate people on, you know, ingredients and, and topicals and keeping it simple. So it's not overwhelming. Because no it can be overwhelming. It, it, yes, absolutely. Very quickly, it can become overwhelming. So um, just try to keep it as simple and keep it simple. Yep. Keep it simple. Mm -hmm. So you did mention the fillers and Botox. What would you expect or what would you prep one of your patients for their expectations from their first appointment? I get a lot of clients that think filler and Botox is the same thing. They're, so they're different. They are different. Oh, they're very different. I'm getting an education today. So, I love it. And that's really my goal with um, skincare is really educating people so they can be educated and go out into the world and be like, no, no, no. They can flip their product around and be like, yes, this is what I'm looking for. Okay. And because there is such a variety of products out there, right, there's always something new, the latest, greatest. Um, you can kind of look past a little bit of the marketing and see like, oh, this is good for me. This ingredient is what I need, you know. Um, so when I have clients for filler and Botox, I do try to educate them on how it works what it's what it's typically used for, um, their particular concerns, and then go from there. What is the difference between Botox and filler? So Botox is um, technically a neurotoxin, which scares people a lot. Well, you're um, saying the word toxin. Yes. Yes. And then you're going to inject it in my face. Yes. Okay. Um, but essentially what it does is stops the muscle from contracting. So Botox has been used therapeutically, which means in a clinical setting for medical reasons like migraines, different types of muscle spasms for years and years and years. And it was typically in the cosmetic community, we find these 
you know, things that have been used therapeutically and then we kind of steal them. So um, when it's used for migraines where they inject it in the face and the head and the neck, they saw, you know, that people weren't forming wrinkles because they're not contracting those muscles. So certain wrinkles are from dynamic facial movement, muscle movement. So the really one of the only ways to correct them is to stop making those muscle movements. And we've all seen people who really like using it. Oh, so. yeah. It's unfortunate <laughs> when when certain parts of their forehead don't. And, and I know I have wrinkles on my forehead. But and lines are good, right? It you tells know? the story. It's Absolutely. the roadmap of my life. Yes. And so Botox is all about muscle movement. And filler is more about replacing lost volume. So Botox, Dysport, any of those muscle contraction, we're, we're stopping muscle movement, where when you hear filler, you're thinking adding volume. Plumping, yes. adding volume, yep. like you would to your hair. Exactly. So now what's the the Barbie Botox that I've been hearing about? Yeah, Barbie's having a year. I love she it. Really She's is. having a comeback. <laughs> I played with my Barbie so much when I was younger. Um, Barbie Botox is when they put it in the trap muscle, the trapezius muscle, again, to kind of elongate the neck and when you're not using a muscle, that muscle shrinks, right? So when you put it in the trap, it elongates the neck and, you know, makes it look like you have this long neck, slender shoulders. Like a Barbie. Like a Barbie doll. So, oh. and I've also seen it done in the arms as well to kind of really, you know, give those thin Barbie arms. Um, it's not going to do anything for my bat wings though, right? <laughs> I'm just being honest, Emily. I'm not 100% sure. I would I would say no, but... I'm and, leaning more towards no. But I had to ask. You can't blame a girl for asking. Yeah. I, I'm. As long as you're going to a safe provider, I would say do your thing. Is that my... <laughs> I can see it written all over your face. It's not your thing. It's, not, it's okay, yeah, though. Yeah. It's, okay. Um, I like... Less is more for me. <laughs> I, I tend to take that approach as well. Yeah. As well. Now, we've talked quite a bit about face care. Let's move to body care okay. and shaving and not shaving and shaving cream. And I've seen these new products, shaving oil mm -hmm. or just using water. What do you think is the best approach to getting the best and smoothest shave and helping with razor burn, or yeah. at least trying to avoid razor burn. Absolutely. Um, sometimes I have my clients that come in and they have like these real aggressive scrubs for their face and things like that. And I'm like, don't throw it away. You can use it on your body, you know, because your your facial skin, especially around your eyes and your neck, very different than say your legs, the back of your thighs, the backs of your arms, that kind of thing. So exfoliating, kind of bringing that hair up up to the surface before you shave is a good idea, but also using something that's going to give you a really nice slip that's going to moisturize the skin, not going to dry you out. And then if you are prone to razor burn, shaving in that direction of the hair um, can help, but also just using a really nice, sharp razor. You mean not my husband's razor that's been sitting on the sink for the past month or two? I mean, in a pinch, if you if you gotta have you gotta a couple do what you gotta areas, do sometimes. yes, you know we we have to do what we do. But um, yeah, if you could 
put a new blade on your husband's razor, maybe, or I see where you're rinse going. it off, I maybe a little bit going. before. We've done it, but we probably <laughs> shouldn't be grabbing our husband's Not razor. Not our first choice, but okay. yeah, sometimes we got to do what we got to do. I understand what you're saying without <laughs> saying it. Is there a thing about when you shave a, when you share a razor with someone? I think the biggest thing is that nicks and cuts. You know, um, you can transfer you know, bloodborne pathogens, that kind of thing. I didn't even think about that. Not that it's going to necessarily irritate your skin because you're using it, someone else is using it, but it is, you know, bacteria, everybody. But if it's your husband's, you guys are sharing, you know, germs all the time. Right. So um, I think it's more of just kind of like a hygienic thing. He doesn't change his uh, often enough anyway. So right. I just buy mine in bulk. Yes. <laughs> and a dull shave. A lot of times he lets his get a lot duller than than ours does. Mm -hmm. So a dull shave and replacing your razor head is always extremely important. How often should you replace it? I typically just look at the little strip and go, yeah, that's time to go. And I think, yeah, if you're going over the same spot multiple times and you're just not getting the result you want, Switch it up. Time to switch. Yeah. But if you're only shaving once occasionally, you know. Well, it is. We're, we're approaching winter months. Yes. We will no longer be shaving. Exactly. As often as much. As Your razors will last longer. Yes. Ladies, they're more of an investment now looking ahead towards the spring. Yes. You had mentioned um, over exfoliating. Mm -hmm. Is there such a thing as too much exfoliation? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Especially nowadays with these high... Um, these strong products out there for sure. Um, How can, often would you recommend we exfoliate? Um, I like when people cycle through different types of exfoliants. So some products will exfoliate from the surface down. So they're kind of resurfacing products. So those are nice to use. Retinoids stimulate cellular turnover. So those work a little bit deeper down. So rotating through like a topical alpha hydroxy acid, then using a retinoid the next night, then maybe giving your skin a night or two off to just recover the barrier so you're not just constantly exfoliating it off. It almost feels like constantly attacking it, giving it a chance to just rest. Absolutely. All right. Yep. So that's important. Mm -hmm. But you also mentioned too, just washing your face is exfoliating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just you know, physical friction can be exfoliating, you know. Um, so sometimes we need that little extra bump of exfoliation, especially as we age. In our 20s, our skin's turning over much quicker than it is in our 40s and 50s. So you have to say it like that. <laughs> Emily, do you really have to say it like that? Sorry, hurting my feelings, but I know it's true. I know, I know it's true. We're just embracing it. We're 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 aging gracefully. Absolutely. I'm embracing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And you know. Skin just needs a little help sometimes, just keeping to turn over. So gentle, regular, a couple times a week, you know, is is plenty. So the exfoliation products that we use on our face, we can use on our body. But it's not the other way around, correct? Not, not typically, yeah. And facial products are a little bit more specialized sometimes than body products. But you can use, say, glycolic acid on your face and your body. But on your body, it is going to be a little bit of a stronger percentage. So, um, yeah, there are. you can definitely use the same ingredients on face and body. But the concentrations, the strengths of them are going to be what differs. We've taken an everything shower. We've exfoliated. And now is the time to apply the self-tanner. Mm -hmm. It's nice to have a, a nice healthy glow. And self-tanning and sunless tanners are such a, a wonderful way to do that. How would you, 
how what's your approach basically? What's your approach on sunless tanners and and yeah. things like that? Um, I like sunless tanners. I tend to use them more just on my face than doing a whole body. Um, there are some great tutorials out there on how to do full body um, sunless tanners, but you do typically want to do them and apply them when you're not going out into the sun. So it might be something that you apply at nighttime, let it develop overnight, and then, you know, your sunless tan is all ready for you in the morning. It's not something you want to do in the morning before you go to the beach. Or before um, you're going to work or anything like that. Exactly. And it's really um, just to keep in mind that it's not going to protect you from the sun. It's not melanin. It's not developing melanin in your skin. Um, so if you're using a sunless tanner, you definitely still have to use sunscreen. It's not going to offer you any protection. Is, is it a bad habit, good habit, or indifferent? Um, when products are put out on the market, they have to follow certain guidelines. Um, I, I, the ingredient in sunless tanning is generally considered safe. So even women who are pregnant, um, it's says that it's okay to sunless tan, you know, Anytime, especially for women, we have to be careful about, you know, when we're using these products. So I would say sunless tanner over a tanning bed, 100%. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. What about a spray tan? Spray tans, I mean, you just have to worry about a little bit of that inhaling, um, you know, of the, so if you're pregnant or something like that, maybe don't do a spray tan. Um, maybe do something more like a foam or a lotion that you can do at home. The products have truly revolutionized since oh my when goodness. we were younger. Absolutely. Versus now. The, there's mitts and there's different types of it, brushes and, and it doesn't undertones. leave your hands orange absolutely. anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll so, never forget that. Yeah. We were the first to experience the sunless tanner <laughs> we and were. yeah. Yeah. And the side effects uh, absolutely. of a bad application. <laughs> <laughs> now in addition to some of the uh, other trends that we've seen castor oil. Mm -hmm. This one really caught me off guard mm -hmm. because when I hear castor oil, I immediately think of my my parents and my grandparents and people are now using it for skin and hair health. And yep. what is it with putting it in your belly button? Can you please explain that to me? Castor oil has a couple of really unique properties to it. It's thick, it's sticky, so it acts kind of as an occlusive, so as an artificial barrier. But as thick as it is, it does penetrate really deeply into the skin and it stimulates a lot of blood flow. So that's why people really like using it. It's an occlusive, it's moisturizing, but it also stimulates this blood flow. So when people are putting it in their belly buttons or they're putting it on their abdomen, they can be trying to um, assist digestion or possibly alleviate cramps, that kind of thing. So, really? Yep. A lot of healing and health comes from blood flow, circulation, right? And um, that's why castor oil has been super popular. I never would have, I never yeah. would have thought of that, but it, yep. it, it absolutely, the connections mm -hmm. are there. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, would it, would you consider castor oil to also be part of one of those skin sealing products that we had talked about previously? Yeah, I would consider it to be kind of a skin sealing ingredient, like an occlusive, um, it is kind of a messy product to work with, though. It is very sticky. It is very tacky. Is so it like molasses? It is. It is. It's not quite like molasses. It is just a very thick, sticky oil. Oh. So, um, yeah, I don't know how. 
I can see br- combing it on your lashes or that kind of thing. Really? Eyebrows, people do that I'm too. I'm fascinated. Yeah. So moisturizing, but um, putting it all over your body would have to be a little, you know, mm. there might be some messiness going on there. Understood. Yeah. No further clarification is needed. <laughs> so the castor oil would help with your eye eyelash growth? Um, castor oil is very thick. It's moisturizing. So that is the idea when using it on your lashes, just kind of um, nourishing that hair. Nourishing mm-hmm. is a big word when it comes to hair. Mm-hmm. And we've talked face. We've talked body. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that hair. Yeah. I spend ridiculous amounts of money on my hair. We all do. Yes. Yes. And and not just the hair, but also the products that go with it. Because if you're going to spend the money on getting a wonderful haircut, color, whatever type of treatment you get, absolutely, you should maintain it with the really good products. But I don't wash it very often. Mm-hmm. And I'm using a lot of dry shampoo. What are your thoughts on dry shampoo? I think dry shampoo is great. I think that, yeah, you can um, definitely extend washing your hair. You know, it is a time commitment, money commitment, everything. The thing that I've heard about dry shampoos in the past are a lot of times the aerosol ones. Sometimes they um, can release some chemicals that have been shown to be not the best for you, like benzene. Mm. But there's lots of alternatives. There are cream um, dry shampoos that are more like a paste that you I've can seen put a powder in. too that you can yeah. shake into yep, it. Yep, lots of powders, things like that. So I think, you know, because especially if you're coloring your hair, your roots are very different than the tips of your hair. So dry shampoos, yeah, extend that shampooing. Can it irritate your scalp? I'm sure it could. Absolutely. I've you know? noticed a big change mm-hmm. since I've gotten older and the hormone shift. Yep. My scalp gets drier and itchy mm-hmm. and flakier. And I've really had to incorporate some new uh, scalp care products into my routine that I've never had to use before. Yeah. Is that a, that's typical? I'm yeah. not abnormal? No, not okay, at all. Thank you. Well, in other ways. <laughs> yeah, in good ways. <laughs> thank you. Um, the scalp is sensitive. You know, it, it's different than the rest of your face as well. So if you notice that you are getting irritated from it, it might be the type, but it might be also how frequently you're using it. So I don't have to give up my dry shampoo. I just have to pay a little bit better attention. Yeah. Okay. I can do that. So we've talked all of it, the head, the, the the toes, the skin, everything in between. I want to know what you really think are some of the top products that we should be investing in. So my top three would be sunscreen, antioxidants, specifically a vitamin C, and a retinoid. If you can't tolerate retinoids, definitely some kind of gentle exfoliant like glycolic acid, lactic acid. Those are my top three. Those are your top three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so same again, because I completely forgot them already. Yeah. <laughs> sunscreen. <laughs> sunscreen. Yep. Sunscreen. Yep. I use a tinted moisturizer that has a 45 SPF in yep, it. Yep, that's perfect. Okay, so uh, SPF and then... Antioxidants. Antioxidants. Yep, specifically vitamin C. Got it. And some kind of gentle, regular exfoliant, whether that's a retinoid or an alpha hydroxy acid, something that's just going to aid your skin in turning over. Wonderful. And there's so many different brands and lines that have those products. So you don't necessarily need to break the bank right. to get some of those great benefits. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I think when I say that, drugstore, mm-hmm. do you have any things that that you would opt for the drugstore that would be an easier on the budget? Absolutely. So I always suggest people 
the products that are not staying on your face, like your cleansers and things like that, your makeup removers, those products that you're essentially kind of washing down the drain, do you have to invest a ton in them? No. Oh, well, like a one-term use. I'm using it one time per day. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. And even with your other products, like your retinols and your vitamin Cs, some of those active ingredients, you might want to start with a more gentle form of a retinoid or use a drugstore retinoid over the summertime that's not as strong. Um, or this time buy a drugstore vitamin C, next time try something different. So it's really more about ingredient and kind of knowing what you're using. And then you can swap out a drugstore for, you know, a more expensive one you, you know, from time to time. I think we're going to talk a lot after this about some of the products that I'm mm -hmm. using. It's been wonderful. We have covered so many do's and so many don'ts. Your best beauty habit. I think the best one is consistency, which is oh, hard. Oh, that is extremely hard. Yeah. That means staying with the routine every day and every night. Most so days. Oh. Yeah. Not every, you know, most of the time. Give yourself a little slack. A little wiggle yeah, room. Exactly. Thank you. Yep, Thank you. We all need to hear that once in a while. We're yeah. allowed to have a little slack. Exactly. Don't beat yourself up if you fall asleep after a long night with makeup on. Just, you know, try not to make it every single night you're doing it, you know? I try so. to do once a week. If it happens once a week, yeah. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Use your sunscreen most days, you know, but, you know, so... Consistency. Consistency. That's one of the hardest things. Mm -hmm. Emily, you're I so know. difficult. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so wonderful and so educational. And I really hope that everyone listening uh, has had the chance to, to absorb some new things and learn some new things. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk later, too. <laughs> to learn more about specialized skincare services and treatments that are available with Lehigh Valley Health Network, visit lvhn.org slash facial aesthetics. Remember to subscribe or follow The Healthiest You wherever you get your podcasts so that way you never miss an episode. And remember, be safe, be smart, and be the healthiest you.